choosing the podcast of LifePoint Church in Ozark, Missouri. LifePoint is a body of believers led by God's Spirit to engage in His redemptive mission in the world. We love Jesus and desire to serve Him by leading people to be real Christ followers in life together. We hope that this message will be a blessing and an encouragement for your life. If you would like more information about LifePoint Church, please visit us on the web at www.lifepointozark.com. John 15. John 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. It's January the 3rd. That's not a surprise to many of you. 2016. And today I want to talk to you about more. I want to talk to you about more in your life. And I want to talk to you about your 2016 and how you can get more out of the life that I would argue we all want. You know, I've never heard a person say this, you know, I just want less out of my life. I would just like really to fail at more. You know, I would just like to see fewer things in my life that bring me satisfaction or joy. A lot of us would say, I need less, right? Or maybe we would think it without saying it. But few of us would actually set that as a goal. But when I look at our New Year's resolution, the most unhelpful word so often is what? More. Let me me give you an example from a New Year's resolution list that I just pulled straight off of Facebook. Who, Who needs the newspapers when you've got social media for sermon illustrations, right? Yes, I pulled this off of my Facebook feed, but I don't think it was from any of your uh, feeds personally. Put, put these up here. I want us to see this list of New Year's resolutions. So here's what we see. Number one, read the Bible. Help me here. This is group participation time. Okay? Read the Bible. Is that a good New Year's resolution? 
Yes. Number two, pray. Number three, forgive quickly. Number four, put the phone down. Number four, put the phone down. Number four, put the phone down. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stuck. Number five, read books. Number six, eat vegetables. Number seven, go on hikes. Number eight, write letters to family and friends. If you don't know what a letter is, it's when you take a piece of paper and this thing called a pen, like the other end of your stylus, and it's something called ink comes out of it as you move it across. It's really cool. Number nine, work strategically. Number ten, print pictures and put them in frames instead of leaving them on my phone forever. Yeah, right. But you'll need to do that because of number four, right? What's the common thread in each of these resolutions? More. Now, I didn't write these. Kid you not, I didn't write these. But these could have been written by any one of us. As a matter of fact, we've penned, or we've typed, rather, letters and resolutions that are very similar to this. Why? Because we all want more out of life in some way or the other. We craft our list with the best of intentions, but quite frankly, if you look at that, it's the worst of plans, right? More than what? You ever think about that? You can't measure more unless you have it to measure something against. It, it, it doesn't say anything. I want to write more letters. Well, if I pull off one this year, I've written more than last year. Big whoop. But more so often becomes something that we feel the need for and even have a longing for, and yet we don't really have any plan to produce it. The list is good, but this list will produce little good in us or for us. You see, more of the right things are good, but God wants to give more to us than just the right things. Here's what God's more is for our lives. First of all, John 10, 10 tells us that God wants to give us an abundant life. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it, how? To the full. More, more. In this passage, in verses 2, in verses 5, in verse 8, Jesus says this, that, that He is doing what He is doing in you as you abide in Him so that you can bear more and what? Much fruit. And then verse 7, here's how He describes this. I don't, I don't know that any of you will care anything about it, but here's how He describes this more. You will ask whatever you wish. And I will do it for you. Nah, no one's interested in that one, are we? We, we think, whoa, 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 that's too much, right? That's, that's too good to be true right there. But that's what Jesus said. So either he's lying, 
or he's like a preacher and just overemphasizing what he's trying to say. Neither of which is true. I think Jesus is being honest when he says, if you abide in me, ask whatever you will. And I'll do it for you. That's a more I could live with. Couldn't you? The question is, would we dare trust that that's what God really wanted for us? Would, would we dare believe and hope that that's what God would want to do for us? John 15, 11, he says this, All of this I tell you, that your joy may be full. And that word for full is, is the word that just says gushing out overflowing a joy that is so deep and is so rich and is so full that it just overflows from our life so really the question becomes whose more do you want your more our more or God's more I want to argue with us today that we want God's more here's what I want you to capture today God's work in us, is to make us more like Jesus by producing more spiritual fruit that brings more overflowing joy. God works in us to, to, to make us more like Jesus to produce more spiritual fruit that brings more overflowing joy. Now, I want you to begin with me today by seeing four truths and understanding these truths. Because if you don't understand the truths that this is all based on, you won't be able to trust or, or you'll aim at, but you'll completely miss the more that God has for you. And we'll be returning to that list. Specifically, number four that said, put your phone down. Oh, you're already forgetting. Oh, my goodness. Like, you don't even know that you made a list two days ago, do you? Put your phone down. I just think that's good for all of us, right? So I'm going to probably say that inadvertently throughout the sermon. Number four? And you'll know, yeah, yeah. Number four. Maybe that's 2016 for us right there. Number four, I'll have a number four, right? Give me number four. But it's got all my pictures on it. That means you didn't do number 10. Four truths regarding how, God's work, how God works from this passage in order for you to have more. The first one we see in verses 1 and 2, it's this. God the Father prunes a Christian's life in order to increase spiritual fruit. Wow. I mean, if we're going to start, why not start with the hardest thing there is, right? God the Father prunes... A Christian's life in order to increase spiritual fruit. You see, the Father prunes our lives to produce more fruit. This is so counterintuitive to our thinking, but it is the way that God works. You see, today, each of us need to ask ourselves this because there's a number of different ways that we could look at just these first two verses, but I want to stay focused on one aspect of them and simply say this. I don't want us to necessarily define the term branch or is God speaking only to Christians or is, is part of this Christians and non-Christians or just a part of a Christian life, but I want to focus on understanding that 
a branch is one that is connected to the vine. The vine is Jesus, and God, the Father, is the vine dresser. Now, that's what we learn from this. And I want us to focus on the branches that are connected to the vine. That means I'm speaking explicitly to those today who are Christians. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're going to learn a lot about God who saves. You're going to learn a lot about what it means to be a Christian and trust Jesus and follow Him by faith. And you too will have the opportunity to place your faith in Him and become a Christian. And that's our prayer for you today. Because the Christian life is not a one and done. It's an inner in into eternity for all eternity. And so that's what you're going to hear about today. And each of us need to be asking ourselves as Christians, am I bearing fruit in my life? Non-fruit producing branches get taken away because what? Dead branches steal life-giving nutrients from good branches. Have you ever noticed that? You have a tree in your yard and it's got branches on it that are dead. It will actually stymie the growth of the other branches on the tree. Why? Because they're sucking all the nutrients that the base of the tree is providing trying to bring themselves back to life, but they don't. But in the meantime, they steal the nutrients that the, tr- the branches that are alive could get. So what do you have to do? you got to cut them off so the other branches can thrive and new branches can grow. Fruit-bearing branches, though, what? Get left alone? Lord, just leave me alone. I'm doing all I can for you. No. What happens to branches that bear fruit. God prunes those branches. God prunes our lives in order that we might bear more and increasingly more fruit. You see, fruit-bearing branches get pruned. Don't get disillusioned, friends, when God makes a cut in your life. Because God is working in you for you to bear more fruit for Him. Every branch gets cut because God's working for more and that more is for your good and for His glory. God the Father is actively involved in the Christian's life. This is not a removed God. This is not a distant God. God is not one who puts things in order and lets it go and He's surely not an absent God. He is actively involved in your life today and every day and every moment of the day. And He is working in you to increase spiritual fruit from you in order to bring greater joy to you in your life. Friends, if you don't believe this, nothing else I say today matters. And if you don't fully trust it, would you just for the moment take hold of it and hold it so that you can listen to the rest of the sermon. And then at the end of the hour, if you don't believe anything that God has said to you is true, you can cast that off. But I beg you not to. Because God wants to work intimately in your heart and your life today as He wants to every day. You see, this work of pruning involves the Father and the Son working together. The Father prunes in order to increase our fruit from a stronger relationship with Jesus. And then God the Son, Jesus Christ, sources the growth in life that produces the fruit in our life. There is no spiritual fruit that will be produced in your life apart from Jesus as the source. 
Now the interesting thing is we try to create a lot of spiritual fruit without Jesus. Or sometimes we try to do it for Jesus. But you need to understand this, that the work of God in your life never asks you to do something for God. It calls you, it leads you, it beckons you to let God do his work in you. That's the essence of the Christian life. Not what we do for God, but what God has done and is doing in us. And that's what this pruning, this fruit bearing, this more of the Christian life is all about. You see, there will be no pruning from the Father that will ever hinder your spiritual growth, your maturity, or will ever minimize or lessen your joy or your good. When God takes away, it's always to make room for more of what He has for you. And what He has for you is always for your good and for His glory. And that's the struggle for us to believe and to trust today. Because God wants to work in you to prune your life to bring more good to you so you can have greater joy in you. God the Father prunes the Christian life to increase our spiritual fruit. That's the first truth that we need to grab hold of today. The second truth is this, that Jesus sources unlimited fruit-bearing as we abide in him. Okay, so if God's going to prune me, if the Father's going to prune my life, cut something away, take something out, then how is that going to be replaced? How is it that more is going to take place? Well, the second truth tells us that. In verses 3 through 7, Jesus tells us that he sources an unlimited fruit bearing as we abide in him. He's speaking now specifically to Christians and those who have received the new life. Look what he says in verse 3 when he says this. Let me find verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That's verse 3. In other words, he says, he's not talking about how it is that we get saved. He's not talking about how salvation comes to us, but what happens as a result of us being saved. You see, salvation comes by the living word who is Jesus Christ, and he does what? He forgives us of our sins that separated us from God, and he, what does 1 John 1, 9 say? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Already you are clean, he says in John 15, 3, because the word is in you. It is the word of God. It is the truth of God against the lies and the deceit of the accuser, of the enemy, of the evil one, of the devil that has deceived us and tainted us and stained us. It's the truth of God's word that forgives us from our condemnation and releases us from our enslavement and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's the work of Jesus. And that work is not, like I said, one and done, but it's one and eternal. Pruning is not salvation, but it is the work in Christians that refines us, that sanctifies us into the image and the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so salvation comes when by faith Jesus, who is the living word, makes us alive together with God, Paul says in Ephesians, and lives within us in an ongoing relationship. Jesus is the vine that sources our life as we abide in relationship 
with him. You see, the key to Jesus' unlimited power in our life is simply this, abiding in him. All we have to do is abide, and there will never be a moment, not even a micro fraction of a second, where we will not have sufficiency fully in our life. There's no substitute source, though, that provides what Jesus supplies. The only way to bear fruit that brings more, that is good and glorious for your life, is to remain, to abide in Jesus. He is the only source of all good and more in life. You see, he says this, you can do nothing on your own. This is hard. For we want to do on our own. But Jesus says we can do nothing on our own. The life we produce in our strength may last for a time. But as so many of us have found so often in our life, it leaves us wanting It leaves us unsatisfied and it leaves us unable to stand the test of time and eternity. It usually doesn't last a whole week, even a whole day, let alone the whole year, right? That's why some of you have already forgotten the list you made two days ago. Can't even find it. Number four. Maybe maybe you did number four and that's why you can't find it. You put it on your phone. No, that's not possible. See, friends, the life we most desire that satisfies our longings and our desires is not within our capability to produce. It's not. It, it doesn't, I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how well you network and bring people around you. I don't care how great you may be. I don't care how big of a bank account you may grow, how successful you may become, how powerful you may uh, uh, become. I don't care how high you ascend in the ranks of of prominence it doesn't matter it's all been achieved and found wanting in this world when we strive for more and more and more to produce a life that satisfies the only more that we get is wearied and frustrated But you see, Jesus sources the Christian life with an unlimited supply. He cleanses us. He makes us alive. He sources and sustains our life for increasing fruit. Listen to this. All that Jesus does in us holds value both for now and for all eternity. Friends, there's not one word that Jesus utters to you. There's not one unction that the Spirit of God moves within you. There's not one command that He makes of us that doesn't hold immediate value now that will last for all eternity. That's just mind-boggling to think that every moment of your life can matter, not just for the moment, but for all of eternity. And no work that Jesus sources in our life will ever fail to produce what he wills for us. See, the point is this. Will we trust Jesus' will or will we default to our own? When we abide in Jesus, he becomes an increasing source for all of life. If you want more life, you must abide in the one who is life and who gives more in life. Jesus is the one unlimited Source Unlimited being the key word there for more as we abide in him. The second truth I want you to see today is simply this, that Jesus, God the Son, sources unlimited fruit bearing 
as we abide in Him. The third truth I want you to see today and to know, verses 8 through 10, bearing fruit means faithful obedience to Jesus' commands. Bearing fruit means faithful obedience to Jesus' commands. You see, bearing fruit glorifies God and proves, he says, that we are followers of Jesus. That's what he tells us that this bearing fruit is. It means that we live in obedience to Jesus. And here's what obedience does. It demonstrates that we have received God's love, that we believe God and that we trust Him and that we are living in His love. That's what he says. He says, when you trust me, you will live in my love. And the way you will know you're living in my love is when you walk in obedience. Just as I live in the Father's love because I am walking in obedience to what He's told me. When we abide in Jesus Obedience ceases to be drudgery for us. And it becomes the activity through which God's love flows through our life. But listen, friends, so many of us get tripped up right here. When we stop obeying God, we stop feeling His love because the channel for His love has ceased to flow, has gone away because we're not living in obedience and we don't feel the love of God. I didn't say God stopped loving you. I didn't say that. There's nothing you can do to stop God from loving you, but you will never experience the love of God until you trust Him to live in that love. And Jesus says in John 15, obedience is living in His love. Obedience is the key to feeling, to experiencing, to knowing, to having a deep confidence That God's got you. That God loves you. Not that he puts up with you. But that you are his cherished one. That he loves you. Obedience to Jesus' commands demonstrates that the Christian lives by faith in God's love. We are living by faith. Not because every act that we do is in Uh, 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 incapable in our own strength but that in every act we do we don't default to trusting our own strength so that God can lead us not only in the little things that we feel like we can accomplish but in all the things that he wants to accomplish in our lives love is the defining motivation for Christian obedience not the result of it you hear that friends You, you think if I obey God this is what so many people believe and, and it doesn't mean just that some believe it and some don't, but it's, it's what we are so tempted to believe, that if I obey God, He'll love me. But that's antithetical to what the gospel teaches. It's counter to what the scriptures tell us about God. God so loved the world that He gave that whosoever believed should trust in Him. God loved you before you were, before you knew Him. He's already loved you. And love becomes a defining motivation for Christian obedience, not the result of it. The gospel makes this very clear. We're not loved by God because we obey, but Christians obey because we're loved by God and we live in His love. That's the motivation and the strength that sustains us in our obedience. Jesus' commands become a rigid set of rules when they get separated from this kind of abiding love in 
relationship. And when commandments get disconnected from Jesus, that, that, that love uh, uh, that, that once felt so good, now those commandments weigh so heavy on us. And they feel like, like they're so harsh towards us. And, and, and we feel so isolated in this cold loneliness because there's no love to warm us, to encourage us. And that's what commandments feel like when we separate them from relationship and abiding in Jesus. But when we abide in Him and His love motivates and strengthens us, it dispels the cold, it destroys the harshness, and it lifts the heavy burden to become an overflowing joy. God's love in Jesus makes all the difference to lead us in faithful obedience. And so abiding in Jesus means abiding in God's love. No love from God comes to us outside of Jesus Christ. But we can trust God because Jesus showed us the faithfulness of the Father's love. That's what he's saying. You've seen my life and I've lived in the Father's love. You can live in my love because I've shown you that perfect example. When we abide in Jesus, our lives are filled with God's love and we obey because we've been greatly loved. The fourth truth I want you to take hold of today is this. Just simply that Jesus sources more spiritual fruit that increases joy to our full and to our overflow. He fills us and He overflows us. Friends, spiritual fruit produces increasing joy that overflows. Don't confuse joy with happiness. Happiness is good. And we all like a little bit of happiness, right? But happiness is fleeting. Happiness is determined by barometric pressure. Right? If it's there, it's there. If it's not there, it's not there. Joy cannot be touched when it is present. Joy can only spill out, but it cannot be stolen. And that's the difference in what Jesus does. Too often we're joyed by and we're satisfied with that which gives God no joy. And the reason is we've indulged in false joys. We've indulged in joy substitutes. We know what joy in Christ is, but we would say, I'm not full of it. And if there's anything that God wants you to be full of, it's joy. It's joy. There's too many dead limbs that remain attached to our life that sucks the joy out of us, trying to get brought to life. When God wants to prune us. That the things of our life that he wants to grow in us can overflow. And the struggle is to believe this. God, if you prune my life, will it provide the things that I most want in life? That I want more of? And I would just point you back to Jesus' words. When you abide in me, ask what you desire. Jesus is not the only one that said this. The psalmist said it. When we we absolve ourselves in Christ, he, He gives us the desires of our heart. 
But some of you know the desires of your heart. And that scares you to death that God might give that to you. But when these dead limbs continue to suck, all the life that Jesus wants to flow into us, we, we, we grow anxious about these things. We, we grow worried about them. We, we consume ourselves with them. You see, joy from spiritual fruit cannot overflow when we hang on to the things that are not from God. When we hang on to the things in our life that do not honor God. When we hang on to the things in life that are not submitted to His Lordship. That are not obedient to His commands. And what happens is we become joy deficient when we try to make Jesus supply our plans. Because we're funneling all of His joy into our dead limbs. More joy overflows from a life that trusts God's pruning. And Jesus to source our life that will bring honor to Him. He's an unlimited source. Listen to this chain of understanding and how this works. True joy that only Jesus gives is the result of spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit grows when we live in obedience to Jesus' commands. We walk in Jesus' commands when we live in God's love. We live and walk in God's love by abiding in Jesus. And the life Jesus sources is eternal, beneficial, and blessed both now and forevermore. Therefore, joy overflows when we abide in Jesus. It's really pretty simple, isn't it? Then why isn't it easier? I guess that's the question. I guess that's the question. Friends, I want you to see that God works. In your life, Christian, to make you more like Jesus by producing more spiritual fruit that brings more overflowing joy. God prunes us to make us more productive. Jesus sources us to increase the fruit that we can bear. God the Father and God the Son are working together in us that our work might be more fruitful in this life. I'm telling you, I'm not just talking about a spiritual application. I'm talking, if you'll take this into your life, into every realm of your life, into relationships, into your workplace, into your recreation, into your home, into your marriage, into your parenting, into your friendships, whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, this is eternal truth that holds. And what God wants to do in you is to bring more fruit through you so how do I do that pastor I'm going to be very quick but I want to share four values with you around which you can know how God's working in you so that you can see practically how this should apply in your life four values the first one is relationship You need to value relationship over the ritual of religion in your life. Salvation brings us into relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son by the Holy Spirit. Don't settle for empty religious ritual that's absent of relationship. The more complete dependence that you place upon Jesus, the more overflowing joy you will experience in your life. The more completely you depend upon Jesus, and you'll think this is nuts, This is just too much. And I'm telling you, that's right where God wants you to begin. Where it just gets a little ridiculous. Why? Because you're stepping out of what you know and what you control into what God wants for you. So when you're making your list, again, because you can't find the other one, because number four 
just remember where you draw that line, God says, come on. You need to be asking this question in this year. Is Jesus first in my life? Is Matthew 6, true of me? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, all of what things? All things will be added unto you. You will not be left without from the one whose source supplies an unlimited measure. And that's Jesus. The more complete dependence you place upon Jesus, the more overflowing joy you will experience in your life. Take everything of your life and bring it back to your relationship with Jesus and ask one question. Am I obeying Him? Am I honoring Him? Does He have first place, prominence, and priority in my life in this area? Learn to abide with Jesus. I, I want to say this. Sanctify that smartphone that you have. One of the greatest things for me is that I've begun to use it for my sanctification and not to work against it. I don't know about you, but I'll, when I get bored, I mean, and it can happen in two seconds. I am so attention deficit. You know what I mean? Like, we'll be talking and all of a sudden I'm, oh, look. You know what I mean? I, that, that's just the way I flow. And so for me to use that in a way that, that helps me has become beneficial for me because I'll pull it out and pull up social stupidity. I mean, social media, you know, and, and I'll go to those apps first and foremost. But I have learned to discipline myself to find those other apps, like reading the Bible, like most of you, many of you rather, come every week and you've got the Bible on your phone or the Bible on your iPad. That's a good thing. Make it the first priority. Make it most visible. Get yourself in a discipline of, Choosing that app over the other apps first. There are phenomenal prayer apps that can discipline and organize your prayer life to give you reminders. And I know you can just swipe them away. But then at least you know, no, I made a conscious choice to say no to that. Right? Oh, ooh, I better go back and find that. Right? Scripture memory. Journaling. The, the devotionals. It's we have such access to build relationship with God, and yet we continue in such denial. Use it, friends. Use it. The second value that I want to give to you this morning is this. It's the expression of life. It's the expression of your life. I, I want to encourage you to value serving in Jesus' name over invoking Jesus' name to serve you. Ask Jesus how he wants you to serve his purposes in this world, in the church and outside the church. You go, well, I don't have time to do the good. Then take him to where you do spend your time and start there and see if he won't reallocate your schedule. He might have you where you are because that's where he wants to use you. But he might have you there to show you how hollow and how vain and empty where you're spending all your time really is. So just commit to value the expression of your life as a believer in Jesus Christ to serve the glory of his name wherever you are over invoking his name to serve you and your purposes for your life. Just, just try it. And see, you, you're a servant of the living God.
Listen, when, when you woke up this morning, the stars may have already passed and the sun may have arisen, but the God who created all of it is the one that we serve. It's his name that we bear every day and everywhere we go. Let's shine it. You see, God prunes and Jesus sources so we can serve others and demonstrate God's love. That it, it hangs in the balance. You know how close some people walk to God's love every day? This close. This, I mean, it's just, it's rubbing their head. It's so close, but it never gets into their ears because the servants of the living God never speak it. Let that not be said of us. That we don't live as servants, to serve the glory, to share the love that God has for all people. When expression becomes a value, you'll begin to ask yourself questions like this. What is God doing to prune me and to prepare me to serve others? What do I know of? What am I aware of that Jesus has done for me that he can do for others? And why wouldn't I tell people? And how is the expression of my life faithfully demonstrating God's love to other people? The third value that I would encourage you to prioritize is authenticity in life. Now, I'm not talking about the authenticity that we hear of so often. That's kind of a buzzword. But here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the life that God created and has redeemed you for. Recapturing God's intended purpose for your life. In other words, I want you to live as Jesus leads you over creating a facade to impress others. Gosh, I thought that ended when we got out of junior high, right? Oh no, it gets stronger the longer we live. But what if we lived as Jesus leads more than we created a facade to impress other people, most of whom we probably don't even care that much about or like? I won't go off on that right now though. You see, what happens is Jesus makes us new and he transforms our life by renewing our mind. That's what Romans 12 tells us. And authenticity involves us learning the truth of God's word. He didn't expect us to know it all, but he gives that to us through his word. That's what we're learning in relationship with him. And that leads to becoming a follower of him. So we learn, and by faith, we want to remain in God's love as we abide with Jesus. So we begin to follow him, and as we follow him, he begins to change not just what we're doing, but from the inside he begins to create change in us by the power of the love that is inhabiting us. You see, authenticity means laying down this life in order to take up the life that Jesus is living within us. We don't have to live as we once were, Scripture tells us, slaves to sin. But as we learn God's word and as we learn his way and as we learn his will, we follow him by faith as he leads us. That's the whole essence of obedience. And Jesus leads and he changes us within, not as we are pressured from without, but as he is growing, as he is sourcing, and as his unlimited supply is overflowing in our life. You see, Christians are set free to live as Jesus transforms and as Jesus leads. And so authenticity means we put off the natural life in order to live the spiritual life. Oswald Chambers, in my utmost for his highest, on December the 10th, says this, 
God's order was that the natural should be transformed into the spiritual by obedience. It is sin that made it necessary for the natural to be sacrificed. If we do not sacrifice the natural to the spiritual, the natural life will mock at the life of the Son of God in us and produce continual wither. You know where wither leads? Dead branches that suck life and deny it. Authenticity means we have to ask these kinds of questions. What do I need to learn about the spiritual life from God? How is God leading me to trust and to follow Him? And what's distracting me? What's preventing me from trusting God, from obeying Him? The fourth value I give to you quickly is the mission of life. It's the mission that we live to make Jesus known over to satisfying our self-centered consumerisms. See, friends, God's mission gives purpose to our life. One of the reasons we so often find that the purpose of our life falls short is because we've ceased to live for God's mission and we've started living for our self-mission. Christians align all of life under the lordship of Jesus Christ in order to serve His eternal purpose at all times, in all places, with all people, and all for His glory. Ask yourself this question. What's it going to take to align my life under the lordship of Jesus? And if you'll be honest, believing these four truths, holding these four values, you'll find a more in 2016 that you never imagined possible. Let's pray. Now, here's what I want you to understand this morning. I am not first asking you to take an action. I am calling us to bow before a person, Jesus Christ. And my question to you today is, will you submit your life to Him? If you're here today and you are a Christian... The Spirit of God is speaking to you and putting very specifically on the front of your mind or the the top of your heart, wherever that place of imagery may be for you, what it is that you need to believe or stop believing, to do or stop doing. But hear me, friends, you'll not do either one of those until first, until first, you realize that this is the work of God in you. That what He wants to do in any pruning or taking away, as you may see it, is good for you. Not just good for you, it's good to you. It is good, capital G. But secondly, whatever leaves, because it's been pruned, Jesus will source an unlimited supply to fill you up And you will never know the void of what you lost, only the joy of what he's brought. So you've got to ask yourself, will you trust what God is saying? And listen to me. You go, how do I know for sure that this is what God's... Let me just say, just go into it. 
Walk into where you believe the Spirit of God is leading you today. And if it's a wrong place, man, God will shower His blessings upon you and turn you to the right place. You don't have to worry about missing God. It's not dependent on you. It's dependent upon Him. He will not let you miss Him. Now, if you're here today and you've never become a Christian, You've never at any time repented of your sins, turned from yourself, and put your faith in Jesus. I want to invite you to do that today because your life will always be deficient of the more that Jesus gives because it will be striving after the more that you can achieve. And it's not about what he gives. It's about the giver of gifts. It's about Jesus. It's about the forgiveness that he gives, the, the cleansing that he brings, and the righteousness righteousness that he puts upon us. Would you receive him today just in a very simple way? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I need a savior and I know you're the only one that can save and bring me to God. I trust you today. Please save me. Please save me. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to remain seated. I'm going to ask you to remain with your eyes closed and and your head bowed in a prayerful posture. And I'm going to ask you simply to pray this prayer. All to Jesus, I surrender. May this be the defining prayer of our lives for 2016. All to Jesus, I surrender. 